podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite Wildcatters, the handsome Bosco Boys. Boys. Come on, boys. We know what we are. We know what we are. Champs of the Big 12. We, we know, know what, what we, we are. are. All right, Bosco's boys, we are back. Before we jump into the show, we got to talk to you about our great sponsors. We're coming to you live from the Tick Splits Topeka Studios. And you guys know it. Tick Splits is the official ticket provider of the armchair media network whether it's a big 12 tournament tickets this upcoming week whether it's the kansas city midwest region the ncaa tournament whether you are going to follow the cats all the way to minneapolis sporting kansas city the royals theater hamilton's coming this summer anything tick splits is the way to go they don't sneak in any of these hidden fees you go to those other ones what 20 percent extra fees something like that you're not going to see that at Tick Splits. And when you use promo code ARMCHAIR, that's A-R-M-C-H-A-I-R, 5% off the already low, zero hassle tickets that you want. Remember, Tick Splits, T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z, guaranteed seats, guaranteed emotions. And Grant, who's been riding with us for longer than anyone? Our ride, our ride or die, my bookie. They are our ride or die, and there is no better time to gamble than March Madness. That opening weekend it is the absolute, absolute best. It's true. Are you looking for first-round upsets? Are you going to try to pick a national champion? Of course. If you're going to do that, my bookie is the place to be. Is Zion and his teams, are they going to cement their legacy at Duke? Will Virginia avenge their loss versus 16th seed? Will Kentucky get to the Final Four, or will the K-State Wildcats make some noise? If you know the answers, where do you go? You go to my bookie, and you put your life savings on on those decisions. Yeah, that's the place to get the action. They have something for everyone, even those dreaded multiple bracket losers. Don't be that guy. Don't Don't be that guy. But when you win, they pay, and it's super fast. I'm talking like 48 hours fast. So when you use the trusty promo code, Boys 25, you get your 50% deposit match bonus. You know what it is. Get over there, gamble, and now it is time for the show. Grant, how's it feel to be a Big 12 champion? It feels good, man. It feels good. So much building up to yesterday to get it all done was amazing. Um, just feels really, really good. Yes, it does. I cannot disagree with you. Um, I can't I can't say enough about it. So first, let's just walk through the day. Everyone decided for the first time in their lives to cheer for those losers, the Iowa State Cyclones. Um, they suck. That was, man, that's hopefully a situation that I never want to be in again. Um, I just, cheering for Iowa State is an absolute nightmare. It's the worst because they are soft. They don't play with any sort of passion they don't play with any sort of defense they just are an abomination to watch i hate them i mean we were <clears throat> we were chilling in kites the other day or yesterday and it was a weird atmosphere of like every person in that bar hating iowa state but also desperately wanting them to win so it was a funny like mixture of cheers and boos like every other play but uh, i can't say that i didn't feel the same way they're a bunch of dickheads, and having to cheer for that like group of individuals would have, like, for an entire season as an actual Iowa State fan, like, I almost feel for them now because they're just, ugh, what a terrible team. Yeah, they're soft. They're just losers. Um, but it is what it is. Credit where credit's due. Texas Tech, you know, they ended the season on, like, a nine-game winning streak. So, um it is what it is, um, but we're not a Texas Tech podcast. We're not an Iowa State podcast. We're not a Big 12 podcast. We are a Big 12 K-State championship podcast. Um, so let's talk about the pregame buildup into Bramlage. 
Um, I think just everything, and again, I think our podcast does a good job about this, but the general fan doesn't understand everything that went into that game yesterday, and I think they did such a great job. Everything from selling the perfect amount, at least in my opinion, of GA seats to offset all the students who were going to spring break to the pregame video production to Shane Southwell reading that just poem that gave me chills to the entire you know, senior night festivities. Um, what was it like, basically everything up until tip? Oh, man. First of all, yeah, that was a completely packed house. Um, it felt like, I mean, I heard a lot that several times that they had oversold uh, GA to try to compensate. And, you know, looking around, it seemed like there wasn't a, an open spot in the house. But you know me, I I was flip-flopping all day, feeling good, feeling bad. And I started to get really nervous after tech, you know, took care of business and knowing that we had to win. Um, but I remember I texted you and I was feeling nervous when I texted you. I asked you like, you know, how you feeling? Are you nervous or whatever? And you said a little bit. And then after we did like the, after the, we did the little senior day spiel, Tri- tribute, yeah. tribute, I was like, oh, we're, we're going to cruise. I didn't feel bad at all. I knew, I mean, the place was juiced. I knew those guys were going to perform. So I felt like we were going to cruise, and we absolutely did. It was it was a great tribute too, and it, like I said, I, like you said, and both of us, I had no idea that was Shane Southwell until the very until way after the game. So. Yeah, until Bruce said it, and I need to figure out who wrote that. I, I mean, because that was literally an epic poem that's like on the scales of like the Iliad. You know, it, it was great. It, it was amazing, um, and and it really does. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about it towards the end, but it touched on all the points. You know, they went from being five and 13 to 14 and four from being picked eighth to the elite eight it hit on all those notes that you know was just perfect it was great it was really really great and I definitely teared up when I because I saw Bruce when Barry was walking towards Bruce you could see Bruce was like bawling on the screen and that really got me oh man and and it was great and what you've written it's not it's not a cliche with this team because I think at least, I, I don't know, I don't want to speak for you, but ever since we started this podcast, I've really tried to notice things and really focus on some things. And when I watch other teams play, when they come into Bramlage and when I see it on TV, I don't see the camaraderie, the true brotherhood amongst some of these other basketball teams. And quite frankly, and take this for what it's worth, I didn't see the togetherness on the football team compared to this and you just see the stark difference and you see these three guys I mean because it wasn't just them all their families were hugging each other you know everyone was trying to take a picture with Dean Wade's mom Cam Stokes parents were all over the place Barry Brown's dad was strutting around like a boss like it it, it just it just felt like it wasn't even the players it was their entire families just kind of almost became one and one big old senior night wedding type thing it was it really was it felt good to watch oh my gosh i love these guys and i'm this is a take right here but i think that and definitely i'm a prisoner of recency and obviously we just won the big 12 so i'm buzzing for this group of guys but i binged all in last night I'd only seen the first episode, so it's a great web series by the multimedia folks at yes. K State. So, for you, if you haven't seen the whole thing, and if I mean, I'm talking directly to you, Scott, and, and, uh, and I, the listeners, now is a perfect time. Go binge that from start to finish. Every episode's like eight or nine minutes. I don't see how after watching that, this can't be your favorite group of players, like. Of all time, even even over like the adorable the adore cats over Jacob Pullen, Curtis Kelly, because the access that you have to this group of guys and their story from like basically turning uh, turning us from the the cellar to the top of the Big Twelve, it's like oh my god, these are the most likable players I've ever seen at K State. Yeah, and you know, and it's not and it's not a uh, trash to Jacob Pullen. No, and those not guys. at all. Be, but when you think about it, Jacob Pullen is the only one of those. Jacob and Jamar were the only, and Jamar redshirted. So they, 
there was no, you know, four-year group start to finish because if you think about Jake's group, he came in with Billy Walker. He came in with, you know, Michael Beasley. Dominique Sutton didn't stay for his senior year. Jamar Samuels redshirted, and he didn't graduate with Jake. Kurt came in as a transfer. Denny Clemente came in as a transfer and left a year before Jake. Jake was the only consistent from that group. We have four guys or three guys who are consistent and in their own right, like, you know, at different parts of those four years, they were the guy. Uh, and let's just talk about it now. I was going to save this for the end, but we're already going down uh, this rabbit hole. So let's just pull an audible and talk about it right here. Um, during that four-year stretch, there were different points where Cam Stokes was the best player. Then there was the stretch of time where Dean Wade was the unequivocal best player. I could make an argument that maybe he still is the best player, but maybe not the most important. Um, but regardless, but then the senior year, especially after Dean got hurt, Barry became the guy. How unique is it that you have 3,000-point scores, three guys who have been the alpha at different points, and then seemingly never having the egos get in the way just three brothers trying to play ball that is the crazy part is that none of them have tripped up on egos at all and it's great i mean gotta plug it again plug it again you gotta watch all in if you haven't because it just shows like such a great inside look to these guys and how like just down to earth and close they all are it's uh, it's so good but um and it's crazy because guys like Cam, you know, had to basically – he was the guy, and he, he talks about it in the show, and he's talked about it before about how he had to basically assume a new role and accept that, you know, I'm not – because when he went down last year, he was probably our best player. And then he had to come back and accept a new role. And it, that's crazy. That doesn't happen often in teams where, you know, egos and stuff like that don't get in the way and trip trip teams up. <coughs> But that's what's so special about this group of guys is they've been together since day one and they've, you know, gone through so much adversity as individuals and as a team. I mean, we were the worst, probably one of the, not the worst, but one of the worst teams in the Big 12 during their time. And now we're on top, baby. Yeah. It's crazy. It, it, it is crazy. They did it. It, you know, I, I do want to save talking about Bruce towards the end, but they really did come in at a point where. They saved this coaching staff's jobs and the trust and, you know, just that was heaped onto these guys because, you know, their freshman year, Dean started over 20 games and uh, Cam and Barry both started double-digit games as freshmen. And then from sophomore year on, they started every game that they were healthy for. So, you know, these are guys that the hopes and dreams of the entire program were weighing on because we were in the doldrums. I mean, people were looking at it like it could be back to the dark ages, but here we are. It definitely felt that way. I mean, for both of us, I know that. We're not going to dive into that yet, but, yeah, it's just crazy how far this program has come, and I'm getting emotional just thinking about it. I love those guys. Like, I'm so sad that we I won't get to watch them play at home again yeah we we, I don't think we'll ever see a group of three like that ever again because fact of the matter is you have 3,000 point scores you have guys that are top of the list and assist Dean is all over the place in a million different categories Barry's the number one guy in steals uh Cam three-pointers assist three-point percentage you know man it's crazy like I can't remember a time I'm trying to, like, rack my brain to think of a time where, like, a player was so loved like Barry. I mean, holy shit. Yesterday was just, like, every time Barry was on the screen, the entire student section was just, like, going insane. Yeah, no, I mean, he is... He is, like, the the current Mr. K-State right now. Yeah, the figure that he is is Jacob Polonesque. Again... People have heard me talk about, you know, comparing the two's achievement. It doesn't matter. He is at that level that only Jacob Pullen has achieved. And what's crazy is you still have two guys that, you know, if Barry wasn't around, they could have probably achieved that admiration as well. Yeah. What is it about Barry? Because it's just like... It's his cult of personality. It's him doing those things with the goats. He's having a good time. 
he always is interacting with the fans. Like the students are always cheering him on because he's the last one off the court when he's shooting his free throws. It's, you know, he's gone the extra mile trying to build that connection with the student body, which is something that I remember when I was in school, I was in a focus group, a committee, whatever you want to call it with the athletic department. When I was in school, my junior or my sophomore, junior and senior year, and they talked to us, this was after the Bruce transition about, you know, why is it that there is no engagement between the basketball team and the student body like there was with Frank? And I just remember telling them, we don't know anything about Bruce. We don't know anything about these players. When those guys were around, when Gip was around, when Jacob Holt, you felt like you knew them. This new group of guys that Bruce brought in, Bruce himself, you felt like you don't have that connection. And... You know, I I don't know what took them so long, but, you know, recently they have gone the extra mile to make sure we know these guys. We know Bruce, you know, quirks and all. You you see these game day pictures of the the seniors messing around giving Dean a fake tattoo. Like, you feel this connection that it's been so long since you have felt this close to a group of players. And uh, I just think that those individual players did an amazing job and the athletic department did an amazing job allowing – the students allowing the fans and alumni to really get to know this team and to love this team. Damn. Yeah. They've done a remarkable job, like getting us inside basically the locker room. It's good stuff. It is good stuff. Uh, Let's dive into the game. So uh, it started off and I actually, you know, I I agree with you. I was feeling real good at tip off, but you know, for the first nine minutes, it was, it truly was a battle. It was back and forth. It was 14, 14 at the nine minute mark. There was a, old Oklahoma guy who was in a like a Oklahoma blazer not like a nice blazer but like one of those kind of like chachi ones with a bunch of different logos and all this type of stuff he was in the front row in front of my section which is right behind the OU bench so I'm sure he was one of the players grandfathers he was turning around and he was you know egging the fans on and I was thinking to myself oh no oh oh no we're about to you know be in a battle and you know I at no point did I think okay we're gonna lose because you know everyone watched we end up going on a run after that 14 to 14 point but I just remember there were a couple bad foul calls and then uh everyone was booing he was turning around he's like what I can't hear you and then like pointing to the aisle saying meet me down here I'll fight anyone I was like oh no it's gonna be it's gonna be one of the yeah it was it was bad and then Xavier Sneed gets a steal and he's start going everyone's pointing to the court because he has his back and he's just like you know playing the wrestling heel and then of course Xavier Sneed ends up turning the ball over and I was just like uh, at that point I was like oh no it's going to be one of those games. What what were you thinking at, you know, the nine-minute mark? It's 14-14. It's been a battle to that point. I was a little bit tense, but I wasn't necessarily worried um, because we were playing really, really good defense, and we had the energy. We were just – I mean, we were getting open shots. We were just missing them. So I was a little worried, but I knew that it was, it was probably going to turn around. Once one fell, you know, we would be all right. And then it kind of felt like – that is exactly what happened. We hit one shot, and then the gate, floodgates kind of opened, and it was, it was over. Once yeah. we got it to like 10, 8 to 10 points, it was over. Yeah, and that, and that's a perfect point because for those final nine minutes, K-State goes on an 18-8 to eight run, um, and at that point, you know, I think it was over. This team is never going to, you know, do the 90-point thing. Um, I came up with this. I was thinking about this the morning. This morning. We probably could have yesterday. We've, we kind of took the foot off – our foot off the gas but well maybe i mean probably not 90 but we were we were absolutely rolling and then it got to a point where it was like we were just fucking around yeah it was like a five minute point period where we were just like all right let's get this over with yeah no i agree with you but but what i i think what i think i came up with this morning um this team plays basketball like a boa constrictor you know they once they get a hold of you they're going to squeeze the life out of you. The because of the way we play defense and our pace of play because you know we're running the shot clock down, you know, like none other. We're one of the slowest pace of play teams, which I like, you know. That's a way to win games. We're not a viper, you know, quick kill, all that type of stuff and like Bruce was talking about in the post game, we don't have the sex appeal that some of these other teams have. But I think that's a perfect thing, you know. We're going to get a hold of this tiny little baby rat. We're going to squeeze it. <laughs> 
and then we're going to swallow it whole. That's what this this team is a team of boa constrictors. Tell I, me I'm wrong. I could. I mean, I agree. That's a that's a pretty good analogy. Um, our defense is definitely akin to like a snake. Yes. Um, yeah. I, I don't. We don't have that sex appeal, that flashiness, but. I mean, we kind of do. Well, I, I kind of disagree with him a little bit, but, you know, who cares? I would much rather have a, a tough, you know, gritty team that's going to make you work for every single inch of the game with, you know, senior leaders that are just going to do their damn jobs. But also they do have some flashiness to them rather than, you know, a bunch of dickheads at Iowa State that, you know, are just not a team, but they can play some good ball one in five games. That's why we're Big 12 champs. Who cares about sex appeal? <laughs> I, I agree with you 100%. There was a time where everyone in the media wanted to talk about how Iowa State is the team to watch. Oh, Iowa State, Baylor, Iowa State, Baylor. But guess what? It was the two gritty-ass defensive teams in K-State and Texas Tech that won the Big 12. Yeah, it's great. that It's fun to see, um, and it's almost like really satisfying to me that the two teams that did win the big 12 are like the complete opposite narrative of the direction of like basketball. And honestly, like how sport modern sports are going that flashy all offense. And then the two best defensive teams, two of the best defensive teams in the country win the league by two games. I mean, it's great. Yes, it, it really was. One thing that I do want to talk about, like straight up sex appeal, like literally almost gave me an erection in the stadium was that cam stokes pass and then dean wade just doing oh, yes. the the reverse jam that's the pass and maybe play of the season depending the cardi windmill but that pass in traffic to dean wade cutting under the basket and just uh dunk on bitches and then he he just he started woofing at the other guys like that was that that is like the Dean Wade, that if 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 that's the Dean Wade, the sky is the limit. I mean, My we've seen God. we've seen that twice in the last three games. I mean, I, absolutely went off uh, on that Baylor. dunk, and uh. yeah, that dunk yesterday, the two handed little reverse dunk was right in front of me, and I was not expecting that at all. He just slams it and starts jawing. At that guy, and he starts jawing at that dude that looks like a uh, man. Have you seen Get Out? Yeah, he looks like the brother in Get Out. <laughs> with short hair. He's got like a little mustache, and he's—I don't know. That's like the, all I can think of when I saw that guy. But um, that was great. And then that dude gets pumped later for giving a cheap shot. Yeah, I, I, I have this written down. We'll, we'll talk about that right now. Brady Manic is his name. What a little punk. Just literally, so I didn't, I, I saw something live and I saw them call the foul and I was like, all right, you know, three point and we're going to get the ball, all this type of stuff. They only show the replay one time in the stadium, which is probably good for the kid because that was about as cheap a shot as I've seen this year in college basketball. He turns around, he makes eye contact with Trice, then throws his elbow and, you know, he's he's just a short little, well, he's not short, but he's a punk. He couldn't even get it to Trice's jaw. Like, kind of gets to his neck. Yeah. And then Trice is just looking around like, did this punk really do that? I wouldn't have blamed Trice. Trice, Trice should have pantsed the kid and then kicked him in the shin. <laughs> I, uh but what did you see the replay? I saw the replay. Okay, what it were was, your thoughts on that? It was pretty happened? bad. I mean, it was like. I, I was like, I didn't see it like fully. I was like my my first uh impression was it was gonna be a flagrant one. I didn't think like it was intentional because I didn't really I mean I just didn't catch it all the way. But I mean Trice was pretty pissed and obviously it was very intentional because he got booted pretty quickly. They looked at it very quick, and he was out of there. I need to give credit to my dad because he right away was saying, that's a flagrant two, he's gone, flagrant two, he's gone. Um, and, of course, he was. And from our seats, we're like five rows back from Oklahoma's bench. We saw the ref come over, tell him that he's ejected. So Brady Manick throws his towel, and, and I'm thinking, oh, man, what a punk. I'm getting ready to boo him. And then he grabs another towel, puts it over his face, and my dad goes, was he this crying? guy's crying. Yeah, I can he see him. He just starts bawling, just bawling. And 
when we're driving home, my dad and I should, I probably should grab him and have him talk about this on air, but, uh, he's upstairs drinking coffee, reading the paper, but he says it reminded him of a seven-year-old who just fouled out of a YMCA game. And it was the perfect analogy because, you know, I, he, he's been coaching kids sports forever. And he says, I can't tell you how many times I've seen an elementary school kid foul out of a game <laughs> and start crying because, you know, they're telling you, hey, you screwed up and you don't get to play anymore. And Brady Manick looked like a seven-year-old as he bawled and walked out of Bramlage Coliseum. I cried once when I fouled out. But it was bullshit. <laughs> because I was trying to foul this guy and they wouldn't call it, so I like pushed him. <laughs> and I was like, and then I cried. Then I walked off the court. But you know, I'm a man now, and I would never do that. Well, that's true. And we do forget these guys are college age kids, so I don't want to dog him too. Much. Actually, you know, what? screw it. He played dirty. I'll dog him all he wants. Brady Manic, that was a bitch move. Um, so second half, it really was a coronation. Um. OU only scored 11 points in the first 13 minutes. Cats put up 30 in that time frame. They played every time we touch. They played Mo Bamba. It was a fun time. Everyone was just waiting for the party. Um, during those, you know, 13 minutes, how how great was that feeling? It was great because, I mean, it was just you were able to soak in basically every bit of the game and without any stress whatsoever. I mean, we got it up to about 27, I think, was the I biggest lead. 29. We, had, we got it to 29 points. And it was great. I was almost a victim of being like, let's just get this over with because I'm ready to party. But I, I pumped the brakes a little bit because I, I wanted to soak in every second of those guys' last 20 minutes on the court. And it was great. We had some nice highlights. We had hit some nice threes and – the crowd was great. I mean, the crowd was juiced and was dying to basically explode at every play that they could. It was great. Really good day out in Manhattan. Yes, it was. Um, you know, eventually, and we, we touch on this, during the final seven minutes, K-State only scored six points. Yeah. And we only scored four or three in the final four minutes. It didn't matter. We had absolutely just demolished them. And it's crazy that we, we end the game – with that that much of a scoring drought and it never was close never they went on a like a 12 to 2 run like really quickly and you're still and it was up, still up, up we were 19, still up 19, 18, and, 19. and it was like whatever <laughs> yeah who cares um let's talk about the cur- curtain calls the final time dean cam and barry come off so uh, first i was worried because cam was getting a little hot because their punk little guard he did that stupid How? flop and grabbed his face. So my dad and I came back and rewatched the entire game. I'm going to do that today, by yeah. the way. Yeah, watched the entire game when we came back. It was like Marcus Smart. At, no, because Marcus Smart's actually good at flopping. This guy, he like bodies up to Cam and then throws back and grabs his face. He was doing that with the sole intention trying to get Cam tossed from the game. And Cam looked at him. I wanted Cam to just curb stomp him but can's smarter and more composed than i am but man what a punk there were if i recall at least two instances like this where there was like a a decent collision that was like had to be a foul one way or the other and they didn't call anything and that i thought that was one of them i couldn't really see because i feel like the basket was kind of in my way but it's like that guy ran basically straight into Cam and like then fell on the ground. They didn't call anything. It's like I mean that's probably like a block at least. I mean he's yeah. getting right in the middle of Cam's way, and he, I mean they ran into each other for sure. I don't know. But. Well, yeah, but then there was some jawing after that. They they actually pulled Cam out, and I I say and at that point it's like four twenty five and the game's over. I I start saying to my dad. I hope they put Cam back out there so he can, like, play a couple more minutes with these guys and all this type of stuff. I was like, that can't be his curtain call. Well, after the under four, they bring him out there. And uh, for everything great Bruce does, he handles the senior day curtain call very bad. Because – so he, he kind of is – he has all five guys getting ready to sub in because he's going to sub everyone out. But then he pulls them back, and it's back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So then these guys come in, and then Dave Lewis, you know, the PA guy, I got to kind of dog him a little bit too because he's all over the place. He's saying all these different names, and he's like, you know, calling out Cam and Dean, all this type of stuff. And 
I, I don't know. I don't I feel like from Bruce Weber to Dave Lewis, the PA guy, I, I feel like that was the only thing of the day that was handled very poorly. I don't know. I, I kinda disagree. I was just in the moment and I, I don't know. I, I wanted a bigger moment that like I wanted it to kind of be like, all right, here comes James Love and it would have James been Love in for Dean way and he's able to like wave and do all that type of stuff. And then it's like, and here's, you know, Sean Neal Williams for camp stuff. <laughs> but but it wasn't like that. It, yeah. It, it was it, a group effort, but Yeah, but, I mean, whatever. I'm just nitpicking. So Dean and Barry both kissed the power cat. I don't know if Cam did. I, Cam I did, did not. not see it. Um He was already too far too yeah. far gone to Which, go back. You know, that's fine. Um you, you know, Jacob Pullen, Martavius Irving, uh Dean Wade, Barry Brown. I love Tay, but one of these is not like the other. One of these do not belong. But it doesn't matter. It was a great moment. Um, they come out of the game, and then, you know, at that point, it's just waiting for the final buzzer. The final final buzzer comes, confetti, streamers. I mean, just pandemonium. It, uh, it was great. At first, it's it was like – one of those moments you'll never forget. I won't, and I'll probably watch the game again today. Um just to see what they'd say about us and catch those little moments that I missed. But, yeah, it was great. I mean, the final whistle goes, and then a weak stream of confetti comes from the ceiling, oh. and I was like, is that it? <laughs> and then later they just blast the court with, like, confetti from everywhere. But Yeah, it looked like there was some preloaded streamers. Yes. And then there were some manual confetti coming from the top that you could see, actually, folks – throwing out and then they had the on-court confetti cannons uh so i mean it it, it was fine it was um, good it was, it, it, it it was, was interesting really to kind of see the uh, order of operations when it comes to that so uh, all that happens the trophy presentation so something i picked up on barry desperately wanted to be the first one to reach it but then the pa guys like and now presenting coach bruce weber with the trophy uh gene taylor and general richard myers and barry was almost kind of looked a little bummed that he wasn't going to be the one to lift it up at first but man you see some of the pictures and videos of bruce doing it you can't help but just love that bruce got to do that he's like a little kid with the trophy he 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 really is, and Barry, he, he got his time to hoist the trophy and parade around with it. Uh, you know, the, the players jumped into the crowd. Bruce later did the same thing. They're running around. It took Bruce about a full minute to get over that table. Oh, well, yeah, and, <laughs> and he, also, he also almost slipped when he was partying with the students, and they held him up. Man, could you have imagined if Bruce hit the deck? Oh, I'm glad he didn't. Um, so celebration's going. Uh you know, the the coaches are cutting down net. You know, Chris Lowry, my guy, it took him a while to get up those, that ladder. Although I'm not, I can't, I can't blame him. I'm sure, I'm sure if I was walking up a ladder with some scissors, I'd be pretty slow getting up there. I almost feel like Brad Korn could have cut it without going up the ladder. Probably. Did you see, uh, there was a moment where like Trice and Mac were talking and Mac, I, I like caught it on the screen. He's like, I'm afraid of heights. Like, I don't want to go up. <laughs> he, like, didn't want to go up on the ladder, and Trice was, like, forcing him up there. It was pretty funny. Oh, that that's amazing. And those are just some of those small moments. Um, When the nets were coming down, that's when my dad and I got out of there. We actually got out in front of the crowd. We didn't see the nets finally come down. Um, but another moment that I think is underrated, the players dancing around to Sandstorm. That was great. Sandstorm just smashed. Like Sean Neal Williams was like in the middle of a dance circle, and they're like, hey, 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 hey. It was great. I didn't expect Sandstorm, and when it hit, the whole place went off. Yeah, it did. It was great. It, it, it was great. So nets go down, banners go up. Um Dean, Cam, and Barry gave like little speeches. Bruce talked to the crowd. I guess we need to start giving a shout out to Casey Scott because you know it was mentioned a couple times. Um, Chris Lowry mentioned it on the post game. Bruce mentioned it again on the post game. Makes me think that in the original Big Twelve schedule, we were not going to be home this weekend, That's and Casey guess. Scott had to crack some skulls to make sure we got a home game for this final game so we could celebrate. Which the Big is just title. like amazing how it all worked out, and just just the story of this team is it's it's so good. I mean, never would have thought at the midpoint of the season that we would be here talking about being Big 12 champions. Well, forget the champions. midpoint. I mean, remember, we had a whole podcast that was dedicated to the panic button. Right, right. 
and I mean, you start you start Big Twelve play zero and two, and then you go on a fourteen to two run. And fact of the matter is, you know, Iowa State played the best game of their season against us, and that's the only reason why it wasn't a fifteen and one run. It's crazy. I mean, it's just crazy. And the fact that he was able to crack some skulls, as you put it, and make this our last game, and then, and then it actually did work out, and we got to basically host the Big 12 championship at home is remarkable. And it's great. I mean, it's one of the best K-State moments I've had as a fan, and it's it was awesome. I can't wait to rewatch that game and maybe even rewatch All In again. I probably will because I've never binged all in beginning to end. So it's we'll, perfect. It's literally right when we started our podcast to now. It's like and, it's not till now, but it's like it's missing one episode basically. Yeah, and you know what? We're coming. It's crazy. We're coming up on a to year. the actual year. Yeah, and I, I think uh, we'll wait until the basketball season's over to do a year retrospective. Um, again, we started it, you know, second round of the NCAA tournament. So I think that's always going to create a uh, awkward anniversary show. We can't you know, do an anniversary show until the basketball season's over, but bonehead stay tuned. We might have some awards. We might have some polls for a year of Bosco's boys. Um, but I'm going to probably binge that entire thing beginning to end. It's tonight. very worth it. And it will, it'll melt your heart. You might cry. I, I like got tear. I like had several moments where I choked up a little bit just cause I was so happy. I'll probably break some stuff when it gets to the Loyola game, but well, no, you won't. That's, That's like the very first game. So I know. It's just like, I know. I, they don't I, really pay attention to it. <laughs> All right. Um, let, let's talk through the box score real quick. Um, a guy who there has been a lot of conversation about, and this was kind of the social media, the sports talk radio, the podcast conversation of the week is McCall Mayween. Um, he only played 14 minutes. He went two of four from the field. He did grab in those 14 minutes five rebounds. He had two steals. He did, again, have two turnovers in those 14 minutes. Bruce came out and said, and he, he made sure to say it on a couple occasions, that uh, this was just a bad matchup for Mac, probably hoping to uh, curb any of the sharks circling the water. Um, do you think that was true? And uh, I think personally, in all honesty, we didn't really need him. Um, so whether it's true or not, that was a matchup, doesn't matter. But what are your thoughts on that? I noticed, man, when you said, tell me that box score, it surprises me because I thought Mac had a really good game. But well, maybe I, I was noticing, I, I just, I thought he was so good defensively. Yeah, and I don't think, I don't think that's a bad box score. Yeah, I think in, in a, in a macro sense, you want him to do more than two or four from the field, but grabbing five rebounds in 14 minutes, grabbing two steals. Again, I, I don't like the turnovers, but whatever it is, what it is. Um, I don't, again, I don't think he played bad. So that's why I was a little surprised. Bruce was saying it was a matchup thing, but initially I, when I was sitting with my brother and we were wondering if Mac was like sick or something. Cause he was just looked exhausted early on in the game and wasn't didn't play very much in the first half and I don't know he didn't have foul trouble either so I was just like what is up with Mac I think he's just not well conditioned maybe not yeah that might be the case but he looked absolutely dead so I was wondering if if something was up with well and and maybe and maybe he caught the flu bug I mean I I don't know but you know I I, honestly thought he played well yeah and and I've been tough I've been way tougher on Mac than uh you have than almost anyone in this quote-unquote I'm I'm saying quote unquote media world because again while we might have the biggest K State podcast in the universe we're not media we're just fans um, I, I'm tough on but I thought he when he was out there he played well and he had that very early jump shot that he made in the f- second half and I was like all right we're rolling so I I thought he played well and you know I was just curious if you thought it was really a bad matchup or if something else might be going I didn't on. see that but I don't, I guess I don't have the basketball eye I'm not a basketball coach so. But I thought Mac played well. He was getting himself into good defensive positions. He had a couple lapses where in the second half he kind of tried to body a guy out, and then he just opened the entire lane for a wide-open layup. But that's really the only thing I could think of where Mac was kind of out of position. But I thought he was really good defensively. Um, we'll talk now about a guy that we buried, actually. We said he's done. We, we can't expect – much more out of him this season. Hopefully he makes a step in the offseason. But Austin tries. He played 20 minutes, went 3 of 3 from the field. Uh, sadly, I think the free throw success from the Oklahoma State game was a mirage because oh those God. were three really bad free throws. His first one was like literally <laughs> completely uh, like 
He missed the entire rim to the right. His equilibrium might have been off because of that manic cheap uh, cheap shot. So that's what we'll go with. Maybe. He grabbed seven rebounds in those 20 minutes. He had one turnover. Um, So we had buried him at one point. But now I almost feel it's safe to say he's – has he turned a corner since the Oklahoma State game? He's been the first big off the bench. I'd like to think so. Um, Early on yesterday during his, like, early cameo, I was – I was impressed with him on the offensive side. But defensively, I was still like, he just absolutely doesn't have it. There's no way. But then as the game progressed, he started to kind of lock it up a little bit, and he was much better moving his feet, just staying in front of the defender, stayed in good position when he was off the ball. So I don't know. I mean, but early on, he was just getting smoked and was way all over the place I, I I think you're you're being nicer to him on the defensive end in the second half than I would have been because I thought he was a liability the entire game on defense he uh, he does he can't switch ball screens um, a couple times he played Olay defense and he was just lucky that Oklahoma missed the layup um, yeah they missed a lot of <laughs> open mean, layups I mean it, it, on the glass and on the offensive end he has turned a corner. The guy still needs work on the defensive end. And in 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 a world where maybe Mac plays the four next year and tries to play in the five, uh, that's what he needs to focus on in this offseason. Uh, free throw shooting and defensive assignment. Definitely. But it's nice to see him back out there. He's definitely improved. And um, he's a huge – he's not the rebounder that we hoped he would be, but he's a massive nuisance to the – the other team oh, yes that i'm so glad you said it because there were a handful of times he didn't even grab a rebound but he would force oklahoma either to foul or to go off their fingertips and we'd get the ball i mean because he still was tied for the team lead in rebounds uh which in 20 minutes which is amazing but it's also it's exact i that was the perfect word nuisance <laughs> on the on the rebound i would hate to try to box that kid out. oh my gosh yeah there's uh, there were times when he was surrounded by three guys and he's still like forcing them to make mistakes it's it's great i mean i like you can't fault his effort at all i mean he's he's a he's crazy on the court yep i love it and uh i'm so glad he kind of did turn that corner uh xavier sneed played 33 minutes he went 207 from the field didn't hit a three-pointer 0 for three he did hit three of his four free throws uh he had four rebounds but he had five big assists and then he tied mac for the team lead in turnovers um, is there any concern with Xavier's game? Uh, from my perspective, it almost looked like he was disengaged a little bit at different points in the game. But uh, what, what were your thoughts on X? Um, I don't know. Maybe he was just – I kind of felt like he was a little Debbie Downer yesterday, but I think that's probably because he just wasn't shooting the ball well. I think if a couple more of those shots fall, he's, he's, he's looking a little more positive but um, was great defensively. Um, I mean, other other than just going two for two for seven, he played a pretty pretty well rounded game, and one of those turnovers was a what is almost nearly a breakaway dunk. So you could tell he was cocking back when that guy stripped it. So not no, I'm not concerned about Xavier Snead at all. Yeah, I, I uh, you know I think the when X is the X factor, uh, I don't know how many teams or can top beat ten us. team legitimately. Exa- exactly. Um, Mikey Swagger, Mikey McGurl. Um, First off, my dad made a great call on the game. The dude has the most toned legs in the world. His he, legs are huge. Yeah, his calves and his quads. My God, he, I mean, he looks like he could be on a muscle magazine from like the the waist down. Uh, and I, now I I really understand why he likes those short shorts. Yeah, he's thick. His I, legs are huge. Oh sure. man, it, it, it's it's chiseled. Um, he played 21 minutes of really good defense. He only shot the ball three times, all from three point. Hit two of them, got it, two rebounds and assist. That's the stat line that we need from Mike McGurl when he plays. Um, especially since you know Cardi. I'm hoping he plays in Kansas City, and I hope he can get to the point where he can give us minutes um, in the NCAA tournament. But you know that that's the type of game that we need from Mike when he's on the floor. Hundred percent agree. What do you? What I don't know if you saw heard any rumors about Mike being unhappy. Yeah, I think it's bullshit. I mean, yeah. So there's some message board talk. Um, this is what I'm gonna say. I I think that there's a very real chance Mike McGirl might not be happy because he in I I don't think that's reason for concern. This guy is a hyper competitive, elite level basketball player who 
for for better or worse, he he for the team sacrificed his redshirt year last year to play very few minutes last year and kind of ruins his freshman year. Yes, he came up big versus Creighton. We probably don't make it to the Elite Eight without him, but he burns a year of eligibility, you know, more than halfway through the season. Um, he comes and improves a ton in the offseason, yet he's still, you know, if, if you just talk about the one and two guard spot, he's still fourth on the depth chart uh, with this Sean Neal Williams guy that the fans become infatuated with. Uh, so I think there's a very real chance he's unhappy, he's angry, but I don't think that's a bad thing. When you have competitors at this level, you know, when you look at the hierarchy of basketball, the division one power five big 12 level you got the nba you got the g league and you got a couple overseas leagues but this is one of the highest levels of competition you can be at you don't get to that level if you don't have this drive this anger you know every time you step on the floor you think you're the best guy and i think the fact that if he is upset if he is angry i think that's a good thing i tend to agree with you i mean this is big time college basketball at a program now that is Competing at an elite level, and all elite teams have great depth issues. Not issues, but depth competition. And its you have to have that like killer mentality, right, to be at this level. I don't see I, – I, I could see him being like, man, I wish I was playing more, but hell, he's got the next two years. This is going to be – this could be his team the next couple of years. And, I mean, he's not going to just play two senior guards. So it's its a good thing, I agree, but if, if it's something that he's at – like actually angry about it's like i don't know what you're really expecting exactly but it's not something that i'm worried about like losing mike mcgirl to no i'm not worried at all um let's get into the seniors uh dean wade so this guy almost takes a page out of the barry brown handbook he hit all these like mid-range two-point jumpers he's five of seven from two uh but one of seven from three on the night um he grabbed he seven threes yeah he missed seven threes one he of seven missed seven. one of seven damn yeah so five of seven from two one of seven from three the guy grabbed three offensive rebounds four defensive rebounds so he had seven rebounds four assists and a steal uh you'd like to see him shoot better from three but again and get to the free throw line didn't shoot a free throw but again game i mean from halftime on, it was a coronation, not a competition. Um, so I'm not I, – I don't really care. And plus he had that sweet jam. I don't either. I thought he played pretty well. Um, he was like – he looked like a man possessed early. Uh, he was grabbing boards like a big, strong man. And um, that dunk, he could have gone – he could have had two points the, the whole day as long as it was that dunk. And I would have said he had played a great game, so – I agree with you. Uh, Barry Brown, 39 minutes. He went 5 of 12 shooting, 3 of 4 from the line, 1 rebound, 4 assists, 3 steals, ended with 15 points. Uh, but once again, just kind of an anonymous first half. This is a second-half player. Um, and when you have the depth that you have on this team, uh, I'm, I'm okay with that. I hope we're not in too many situations where we're getting TKO'd in the first half uh, because Barry's not getting it done. But um, he, he brought in the second half. He did bring it in the second half, and uh, was it in the second half of that circus play where Cam? No, so that was that was his. I, that like was that his first half. Got that, him going. Yeah, that, that was in the first half. Like we almost turned the ball over like thirty-two times, and then we end up. That was amazing. Just shooting that baseline shot it went in, and I, I remember the shot goes up. I was like, "That needs to go in," and it did, and it was great. Um, and again. N- not worried. I, I don't think you, you'll worry about it, but it is interesting that uh, after a couple bad games from him and then a bad first half midweek that uh, he, he's just decided to be a second-half player, which, you know what, that's fine by me. Yeah, fine by me. All right, and then the player of the game, good basketball player Cam Stoke, mushes the hate. Because you and I talked about how, oh, there, there aren't any haters anymore. But, again, I freaking still see folks on Twitter, on message boards, talking about how he shouldn't shoot more, blah, blah, blah. They're haters. So, good basketball player Cam Stokes mushes the haters on senior night. 19 points, six assists. Six of them, and then two rebounds. I mean, zero turnovers. Zero turnovers. This is a man. I've Perfect def- game. This is a man I've defended for four years, and I've had to defend him far more than I should have over the last, you know, twenty-four months. Um, I mean, it was the perfect game. I love that on senior night. You know, for 
better or worse, he was the gem of the three on the final game in Bramlage. And I couldn't have asked Cam Stokes for anything more. Cam was great. And shout out to, I think, John Kurtz, who said that this game is going to be – Cam's going to have his moment this game, and he absolutely did. I mean, he just – he went off. He had, like – just looks great. I mean, Cam has turned into a hell of a player. Um, he might, gosh, I don't know. Like, he might be the most comfortable, I feel like, having the ball at this moment in time. Um, and if, if there's an open shot, I, I think I want it to be Cam. Unless it's that sweet mid-range jumper from <laughs> Barry. But um, going to miss Cam. What a player. And I think I've just learned to accept that if there's going to be people forever that are going to talk shit on Cam and – and not accept Bruce Weber, and it's just those people just suck and whatever. I just let them live in their shitty cellar of negativity, and we will sit here and have a great time talking about how we're the champions of the Big Twelve. Yep, and you touched on it. Um, it's time to talk about Bruce Weber. Uh, he now has two Big Twelve titles. Matt Hall put it perfectly in his piece over at KSO talking about how Bruce now needs to be mentioned with the elite coaches that have come through K-State. He's done what Long Kruger couldn't, what Asbury, what Wooldridge couldn't, what Dana Altman couldn't, Frank couldn't, Bob Huggins couldn't, and he's done it twice. He's won the Big 12. He was the team that ended KU's streak. Um, He did it with his guys. Uh, Yes, there, there were some downs. But this is a man who now has been to the Elite Eight, and he's won two Big 12 titles in his seven years. Um, If you go back and listen to our very first podcast, you hear us talking about how is Bruce on the hot seat if he loses to Kentucky. We both said no, but the fact that was 100% a question going into that Kentucky game. After the Kentucky game, that conversation stopped and it probably shouldn't have even been a conversation going into that but he then took us to the elite eight he brought us another big 12 title just talk to bruce about it because we're we're both i mean there are folks that there was one guy who old take exposed me last night uh from just february of last year just 13 months ago arguing with him because i because he said something about bruce um so it exists. We are here. We told Bruce to his face. Um, I'm not going to hide the fact that I we both were very, very vocal dissenters and honestly quite ugly dissenters of Bruce. Um, oh, yeah. We, we can't hide that. But, you know, he's proved us wrong. He, I mean, it went from small bo- – there were times, I'm not kidding you, there were small pockets of booze in Bramlage Coliseum when Bruce would come out. Now it's Bruce. Like yep. when he got the mic, Bruce. Like this this is a man who just through all the adversity that he faced and yes, yeah, some of it was self-imposed. Uh but he fought through it all and now he's done what a lot of coaches haven't. It's crazy. Two Big 12 titles in 7 years against when you have like, you know, a legitimate extremely um Difficult opponent down the road. We, I mean, he has to compete directly with a blue blood, and it's it's a, it's extremely impressive. Um, the biggest gripe about Bruce for so long was that you know can he do it with his own guys, which is like really stupid. It's stupid that people would get mad that like. I feel like it's almost more impressive when you do it with someone else's guys, and you come in and win a title with someone you don't really even know. You got to get a whole team to buy into you, a completely new system. But for so long, you know, he had that struggle, the struggles at Illinois where, you know, he won with self guys, and then it kind of went the other direction, and it looked like that was going to be the case here at K-State, and that was – honestly, that was our concern. That was everyone's concern. He couldn't win the tournament either. And then finally, we get over the hump. We beat Creighton. We beat UMBC. We have that huge game against Kentucky. And he's got an Elite Eight and a, two conference titles. I mean – there is no other K-State coach in our lifetime that has achieved even close to that. Not even close. I mean, here's the thing. Even at the back end of Hartman's career, he wasn't doing this. Exactly. I mean, it, it, I mean it, it's just it's just crazy what Bruce has been able to accomplish. Um, he's, you know. He has the, to feel so vindicated. Yeah. I mean, and if you look at the history of the Big 12, I mean, yes, you got Bill Self. Rick Barnes has three titles. But it's like. Look at all these coaches who have come through the Big Twelve, like really Hall, good coaches, Hall of Fame coaches who haven't been able to get two Big Twelve titles. I, 
I mean, I don't think you can. I don't. I don't think you can detract from them anymore. And again, the, it's gone to a very, very small amount. Very like, very small. And even those people, it's more of backhand compliments than uh, hate. But I, I, I legitimately never saw this coming with Bruce. I'm so happy to be wrong. Who, so I don't think so anybody really could have seen this coming. I mean. Uh, it's great. If you told me 10 years ago that we would have two Big 12 titles. And and here's the thing. From anyone. Yeah. I mean, be but, but but the four-year four, four year cycle, I mean, yes, shit hit the fan with Marcus Foster and all those guys. But you can't tell me that if it wouldn't have throughout those four years, he probably doesn't do it again. I really think that this guy, if you give him a four-year cycle, he, I mean, if he, if he coaches for another four years. Maybe. You'd almost think that he might get that third one. Yeah, I don't think that that's crazy because when you think back to like, and who knows really what happened with the the group of players that basically the mass exodus. But I mean, those were good guys. We had a talented group of of players that just I guess didn't really buy in to to Bruce and and the system. I don't I, know. I think I think it is fair to say that in their sophomore year, in that second year of that group, that something infected them as a whole and. Uh, in the off season and it just spread like, I don't want to say can't because again, those were at the time, 19 year old kids, something happened. Um, it spread and, uh, you know, set the program back a couple years. It is what it is. Um, they moved on from it. You know, Cam Dean Barry, they said it like in their senior night, they came in, they rebuilt this thing. They it's went, crazy. It's like a mat. And, like, and Bruce led it all. I know. Like we obviously Bruce deserves, massive amount of props but that just goes to show i do think that if bruce has like a cycle of like a group of guys every you know three to four years we really can make runs like this and it's just like a testament to how uh, mature and hardworking like this group of seniors is that they were able to come in take two terrible years basically but set the foundation and then their junior year it really kicks off we go to the elite eight and senior year it all comes together it's a perfect story i mean they were they went 15 and 17 almost last in the big 12 it was really really hard for me to see a future like this i mean really hard to see a light at the end of the tunnel when we're not even 500 and it was it was tough but man we did it Yep, and who knows? Maybe the uh, next cycle is coming up. Dejuan Gordon, the nice. Chicago Player of the Year, Montavious Murphy, you know, All State Texas, one of Houston's best basketball players. Good news has been on the team uh, since January, being around the cycle. And then uh, Antonio Gordon, uh, or Antoine A. Gordon, whatever. We'll I think call it's him Antonio. A. Yeah, we'll call him A. Gordon. Uh, one of the best basketball players in Oklahoma. Yes, it's not a bunch of five stars, um, but this is a type of group that, you know, if those four guys stick around for four years together, I mean, who who knows? Maybe, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. Right, but, I mean, maybe, but now it's time for guys like Cardi and Mike to assume that leadership role to make sure that this trend keeps going. At the very least, let's we can't drop too much. We got to keep this tradition going. What a perfect day out for those recruits. Oh yeah. I mean, could not have asked for a better day. Completely it, packed house. Comfortable win. They got to see, you know, the atmosphere that is Bramlage Coliseum, the Octagon of Dune, but they got to see the family like closeness of everyone and just how much we love our players and connect with our players. So literally a perfect day out for those guys. I agree with you. Um, we're going to wrap it up. Kasubki was there too. So oh yeah. The, the also, I, St. I don't Louis know how to say his name, but that had to be meaningful for him. Oh yeah. Yeah. St. Louis guy. He's a, I think a three or four star for the 2020 class. So, uh, you know, I, I have faith in Bruce to reload. So, um, we're going to read off the final big 12 standings, K state 14 and four, Big 12 champions with uh, Texas Tech. KU coming in third place, 12 and 6, two games back. Uh, Baylor, 10 and 8. Iowa State, 9 and 9 because they're trash. Texas, 8 and 10. 9 and 9. 9 and 9. What a bunch Most of talented kids. team in the Big 12. Uh, Sexy basketball, fun. 9 and 9. Texas, 8 and 10. Shock up. You know, Shock is trash. Texas fans got to be looking at Chris Beard saying, hey, want to come home? Because uh, I think Beard is a 
UT alum, I think. I don't know. OU 7-11, TCU 7-11, both of those teams, and Texas for that matter, they're going to be looking to try to get a win in Kansas City to get to the tournament. Um, Oklahoma State, who really turned it on late, and I'll tell you what, keep an eye on Boynton and Oklahoma State next they're year. They're so young. So young, and then they have a bunch of four and five stars coming in next year. They so a, Yeah, they got a top 25 class, yeah. and like their entire team are freshmen. Yeah. They're going to be good. Yeah, so keep an eye on Boynton down in Stillwater. Um, if, if I'm a Cowboy fan, it's been a rough couple years, but I, I don't want to lose him. And then West Virginia, Bob Huggins in the cellar. Um, this week, Kansas City. Keep a look on Twitter. Maybe something will happen. Um, but if you see us walking around Power and Light, be sure to come up, give us a hug, say champions of the Big 12, we know what we are. Um, we will be playing at 1.30, the second game of the morning session on Thursday versus the winner of TCU, Oklahoma State. That should be a win. And then uh, in the semifinal, we'll be playing either Iowa State or Baylor. Um, so wait a second. Um, we're the one seed. Yes. We will play the winner of Oklahoma State and who? TCU, the 8-9 game. Okay. Gotcha. Yep. I was just surprised to hear that TCU dropped that low. Yeah, remember when? they had a slightly better record than that. 7-11. I don't want to play TCU again. I don't like them. All right, then let's let's but, go pokes. Go pokes. Um, I'd love to play them again. <laughs> use, t- use tick splits to get into the building. See, find us at Power and Lighter in Crossroads. We'll be around. Um, so let's close it off. Let's talk about the Big 12 tournament. A lot of talk in the past couple weeks were that, you know, let's get he- healthy. Let's tank the Big 12 tournament, all that type of stuff. I was never on board with that. Um, now the general consensus is we're playing for a three seed and we're playing for more glory. I think we're both oh, on this. I, I want that trophy, baby. I think we're <laughs> both on the same page that we want to go all in to try to win this. Absolutely. Now, Bruce said we're going to reassess the health status of Dean and Cam. If, like, if those guys are in jeopardy in any way, then I'm fine, like, Let's pump the brakes on this. But there's a huge, huge difference between a three and a four. A three is essentially a two seed. I mean, and then a four, like a four and a five versus like a, a three or, a, you know what I'm saying. And it's I don't, a massive, massive difference. And I don't think UMBC is going to take care of Virginia for us. I don't, I don't want to play Virginia. <laughs> I don't either. I don't either. Um, yeah, I don't really want to play. Ugh, I don't want to play Duke or Virginia. I've seen a few that has us either against Duke or Virginia. That would be rough. But and I don't want Kentucky in either. I don't either. I don't either. But um, but we'll worry about that. I think. Uh, no, I want to go after this trophy yeah. for sure. I, and it's like, who actually? There's no way you can get these guys onto a court and say, who cares about this game? They're gonna bust their ass. It's gonna be uh, the Big Twelve tournament's always got a great atmosphere. You know, if, if we get into the you know the semis, finals, you know type of type of games, it's gonna be crazy. It's gonna be crazy, and like, it, we're absolutely gonna bust our ass for that title. We want the glory. I want the glory. I want the glory. I'm addicted too. to it now. Love it. All right. Um, stay tuned. I believe um, this who is the first time we. Who do you think wins Player of the Year? It's gonna come out this morning. Uh, oh wow. Um, I think it's going to be. And who's um, your first team? I think I think both Cam and or I'm sorry I think Barry and Dean both get on first team. No, that's, I think that's my prediction. Dean ends up on second team. Barry will be first team. I uh, I don't know if Barry's going to end up. I think it's going to be Culver. And I I'm think okay. it's Culver. I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I think it's Culver. And I think Beard will be uh, head coach of the year. Yeah, I mean I think if it's if, if it's tied. Uh, Frankly, but, if Beard wins it and Culver win it, yeah, I, I can't really. I can't. Be too upset about that? Both no. Culver's really, really good, and Beard. What they were picked like seventh. So yeah, that's a pretty damn good job. I think first team's going to end up being uh, Culver, Brown, Lawson, Shayok. Who's the fifth? I mean, I I guess like if Dean wouldn't have been hurt early, I think maybe he finds a way in there. <sighs> I don't know. Who cares? I just thought it. Yeah, but I think I think Dean ends up on second team. I'm really hoping. Cam and X either get third team or uh, honorable mention. They deserve I think Cam some will get, Cam will get something. I think Barry Brown has a shot at defensive player of the year, but I think it will end up going to Owens on uh, Texas Tech because the big guys with all the gaudy block numbers usually get it. But I think Barry will end up on the all-defense team. I think Mac or X might end up on the all-defense team as well. Um, so, you know, I yeah, 
I mean, I'd love it if Dean could somehow get in the first team. Yeah, we'll see. We'll but see. We'll, we'll see. Um, I think uh, this is the first time we talk about it. I think we're going to plan on, or at least what I think we should do, is plan on doing a show on Sunday after the selections come out, after the bracket's out. Are you on board with that? 100%. Unless, unless we win the Big 12 on Saturday, maybe we'll put out a uh, quick pod. Probably not, because I think we'll both be in power and light celebrating. Um so we know what we are. We know what we are. Champs of the Big Twelve, we know what we are. Love you guys. Meet me at the Cathead. And use tick splits in my bookie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Love you guys. Network.